All right, so we're, we uh, just got started, I don't know, before Christmas with a new book. We finished Ephesians. Now we're going into, uh, we're going into a, another new book, uh, which is the Gospel of Luke. We've had a few messages out of that, and it wasn't because of Christmas that we picked the Gospel of Luke, um, even that's where the Christmas story is. We got to preach on it on Christmas, but it's because God took us to the Gospel of Luke, and that's why we're there. And so uh, the different gospel accounts, you know, there's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, uh, uh, and th- those are the synoptic gospels. They're all kind of similar. They were written around the same time, and it's all a picture of Jesus. And then we have the gospel of John, which was written in the 90s, and that was to reintroduce Jesus again for the first time. But in the gospels, you might wonder, why in the world would God have four gospels in that? What's the purpose of those four gospels? And if you've ever, uh, if you could imagine taking a diamond, if you would, and, and first of all, where are my kids at, man? Dude, dude, where are you at? Come on up here, man. Where's, uh, dude, where's Ethan at? Is Ethan helping down there? Is Ethan around? All right, come on, Ethan. Dude, where are y'all at, man? Y'all have to be invited up here? This is, you own this row, bro. All right, y'all own this, man. This is you, all right? And, and you got to keep me on my toes, all right? So don't be afraid to ask me. Oh, all right. We got them. All right, good, good. Um, <clears throat> first of all, these are some of the guys and girls that, are over 11 that don't go downstairs, but in order to make this a more meaningful experience for them and me, because how many of y'all know I'm just a little kid (laughs) in old man's body, right? (laughs) And I need these guys here, man. And I remember a long, long, long 30 years ago when I first got ordained and stuff, John MacArthur had made a comment. He had said that if a sixth grade boy in the congregation didn't understand the message, most adults didn't either. So I want y'all to know I'm preaching to these guys right here. I'm asking questions. I want answers from all y'all. By the way, JT, you like these shorts, man? I wore these for you, bro. You noticed I wore new ones last week. I was looking through all my baggy drawers. I got three drawers of baggies, and I've got a whole pile of them. I was like, I need some new shorts to wear, man, uh, out, out of all of them there. I know y'all were liking them, right? Y'all were y'all like, God, do you see what he's wearing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, All right. Anyways, let's get back on track. So... So we're preaching, really, man, this group, if Jesus does not come back, they may be the first group that actually dies for their faith. You're like, oh, that's encouraging. Yeah, it is, dude, because when, when you die, where are you going? How, how, how long is it going to take for you to get to heaven? Dude, the instant you die, you're in heaven. Is that not a cool deal? Yeah. And you're going to be with Jesus, it's gonna, and that's our home. So, but nothing's going to happen to you unless God ordains it, unless God gives permission. Everything that comes in your life is by God's permission. It has to get, you ever have a little brother or, you know, y'all got like little, little kids in your hand. You're not the littlest one. They ever get in your junk and mess with you? They ever annoy you? And y'all ever get annoyed by other, did you know that they had to get permission from God to come in your life? Now they might not have asked for it, but God gave them permission so that you can become more like God and God gets the glory. Because you didn't put your little brother in a headlock and drag him down the stairs. And it's like, wow, God gave you, glo- gave you grace to be able to do that. So anyways, um, know that whatever comes in your life. But that's why this generation is important. They may be the first generation that has to know the Bible right here. It, because they may not even have it in paper anymore. It may not be legal. They may have, have to, and you say, but it's digital. It may get totally changed on digital. <laughs> I'm just saying they've got to have it in their heart. And this is a special generation right here, because how many of y'all would have dreamed? How many of y'all are old people like me? Yeah, let me see. Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how many of you would have dreamed when you were their age, the world would be in the shape it's in right now? 
Emily, you were born in the 90s, right? The 1900s, right? 1999. <laughs> She's born in the 1900s, man. Could you ima- can you even imagine what's happened to the world and what it's going to be like when they grow up? It's crazy. So <clears throat> they need to know the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God because as it gets closer and closer to Christ coming back, Paul said to Timothy, people are going to be in a love affair. They're going to be in love affair with all the wrong things. They're going to be in love with themselves. They're going to be in love with pleasure. They're going to be in love with even religion that doesn't have any power to it because it's not based on God's word and it doesn't have a Holy Spirit motivating. It's not real, but it's going to be a religion and in all of that. So that's why we want you guys up here. Also, I get kind of bored sometimes because they'll be like, you know, they'll be acting like they're awake. Don't learn this trick. Here's what some of the adults do. They look like they're paying attention but they're really not. Lights on, nobody's home, all right? Did you already learn that trick? You already learned it? Oh my goodness. All right, anyways, let's get back to, let's get back in here. So, so anyways, we're starting the Gospel of Luke. So if you were to take a diamond and you were to hold it up to the light and you were to turn that light, what you looking at, Chris? Is there a bobcat out there again? Oh, one of your boats is going by. All right. Very, I am grateful you have a job. <laughs> Amen. All right. All right. We will get on track here. I promise. So you take a diamond. All right. One time I actually stopped service because we had a bobcat walk there and I knew I couldn't compete with the bobcat. I'm just like, just go. Everybody look. I'll get back to it when y'all are done. But all right. <clears throat> All right, we're good now? (laughs) So you take a diamond, man, and you hold the diamond up to the light. It's the same diamond, and the diamond is Christ. But when you turn that diamond, each time you turn it, there's a different facet that you see, a different color, a different... Man, it's a different form of beauty, and that's what the four Gospels really are. The Gospel of Matthew was written by... Who do you think the Gospel of Matthew is written by, y'all? Matthew. Yeah, that's pretty simple, right? All right. And Matthew, uh, uh, he was a Jew, tax collector. Hold on. Matthew was a Jew and he wrote this book to the Jews. Now there's stuff in it for us, obviously, but understand when you're reading it, that it was to the Jews predominantly to prove to them Jesus was king of the Jews. That's why it goes back to Abraham, back to David, why he includes so many prophecies. All the, his whole purpose was to prove to the Jews Jesus did everything he needed to do to qualify, to be the Messiah, and you can have confidence in that. As Gentiles, we can have confidence knowing he fulfilled all those things and looking at it from that perspective. And so there's a facet of Christ there as king of the Jews. Anybody excited about Jesus being king? <laughs> yeah, dude. And he is not going to get unseated by some kind of election. He is the eternal king, and he always will be the eternal king. And if you're in his kingdom, living for his kingdom, man, that's the kingdom that will reign forever and ever and ever. Amen? So you all part of that kingdom? You get to, We'll talk about how to be part of that kingdom. You surrender yourself say, I want to be part of this kingdom. I want you to be my king. And that's where in there he summarized well, the, the great commission, or he summarized uh, in essence the, the whole uh, message that he preached. And he said, but you, he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. You ever worry about what you're going to eat? You ever worry about what you're going to wear? You, you look pretty sharp, man. He said, don't worry about what you're going to wear, don't, what you're going to eat. He said, don't worry about those things. That's what people without me worry about. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what did he say is going to be added to you? Everything. And that's it because he's the king. He's the king of everything. And everybody else is the king of nothing. He's the king of everything. 
And so that's Matthew. And then in Mark, Mark is a little short gospel. It always says immediately, and then immediately, and then immediately. And now he did this, and now he did this. It's a short, action-packed gospel. And it, it was written by a dude named Mark. Oh, I should ask you, who was it written by? Mark, yes, it was written by a dude named Mark, all right? And when Mark wrote this gospel account, it was probably Peter, the fisherman, the apostle Peter's rendition. And, and Peter probably gave, Mark, Mark hung out with Paul, Mark hung out with Peter, all those guys, and, and Mark could write. Peter probably couldn't, right? And so Peter gave his kind of rendition, and it's an action-packed gospel. And it was written to the Romans. Do you think the Romans cared if Jesus was king of the Jews? No, you know what they cared about? A lot of what our society cared about. What can he do for me? What, what can he do? Who is he? How, well, you know, what is he able to do? And when you read the Gospel of Mark, you see, bam, Jesus did this. Bam, Jesus did that. And the whole purpose Mark wrote it, if you go look at the end, he says the reason, the theme of it is that to tell us that Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve others and be a ransom for many. So his whole purpose for coming was to serve humanity and be a ransom for those that would come and give him their life. And he would be a ransom. A ransom pays for what a kidnapper wants, right? We'll talk more about that later, but he paid for our sins, all right? But he came to be a servant. And so you see him serving over and over again. The Gospel of Luke, who was Gospel of Luke written by, y'all? Help me out, who was Gospel of Luke written by? Luke, you're a genius. Awesome. And Luke, but, uh, so let me ask you a question. Who wrote, uh, that's, that's Luke 1. What, is, what book is Luke 2? Oh, book of Acts. Thank you. Did you like a ventriloquist back there? I got, no. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's Luke 1, there's Luke 2. Okay. And, that, and, and Luke 1 is what we're studying right now. We've already been through the book of Acts. So the, the gospel of Luke takes us from before his birth up to his ascension, Luke 2, which is the book of Acts, which is written by Luke, it takes us from the ascension all the way up to, well, almost Paul's like getting out of prison in that. We've been through all of that. It takes us through a giant span. Luke, actually, when you look at it, wrote more of the New Testament than anybody. When you ask, But Paul wrote all this. Go look at all the chapters and look at the time span that's covered. And so we're going to be looking at Luke 1. And Luke was writing to the Greek people, and he was, he was trying to show them, what were the Greek people looking for? Yeah, they were like, philosophy, perfection. What is the perfect man? This, let's have these philosophical, in college at Liberty University, I'll ever have these philosophical conversations and go in circles theologically about all kinds of junk that never is going to matter. Can Jesus build a wall so big you can't jump over? You know, stuff like that. And, and, and so, yeah, just talking about things that don't ever get, but that's where the Greeks were. They're, man, that's where they're trying to figure out life, trying to figure out what's the, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What's the perfect man? How can you get the most out of this life? You know, what's the balance between good and evil? And dude, all the philosophy came out of all of that. And so when he wrote to the Greeks, he was trying to show them that Jesus is the perfect man. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is what? That means better. <laughs> Again, we're saying, dude, kill you, bro. To live is Christ, to die is better. Because you're in heaven. And how long you'll be there? Forever, dude. And it's way better than this place. But if you live that way, then you can get a lot more out of this place. I'll guarantee you. And so in this, he said, this is what life's about. 
This is the perfect man. And you know how he shows Jesus is the perfect man? Eric, you know how he shows Jesus is the perfect man? He shows him having a constant relationship with God the Father, God Almighty. Constant, no matter where he's at, no matter what he's doing. He's in con- And again, we talked about it. Uh, uh, Destiny's not here. She'd know all about this. But man, y'all know about umbilical cords? Look down. See the hole right there? There used to be a cord there. When you're in your mom, man, it was attached. Everything you got came through that umbilical cord, right? And so next time you look at your belly, belly button, think of umbilical cord, but think of your relationship with Christ. Jesus Christ had an umbilical cord, if you will, attached to God the Father. And you know what that umbilical cord was? I'll give you a hint, guys. Help me out. Karen, what's that umbilical cord? No. <laughs> no. What's the umbilical cord, y'all? Prayer. Always. And he walked in prayer. Jesus was at always in constant fellowship with God Almighty through prayer. It wasn't like God, oh, hey, you, I just talked to you two minutes ago. What do you want? Like Pittsburgh Rob would say, you know, come on. You just, I just talked. I just told you, right? No, he's more compassionate than that. But, but listen, Jesus, man, he's always talking to God the Father. He's always in constant contact, and that's what we can have. And that's what you're going to see through the Gospel of Luke. You're going to find more instances of Jesus praying than you will in any other of the gospel. Because in order for you to really enjoy the good news, that's the theme. That's the theme of Luke, guys. Good news. And and the good news is you can have a moment-by-moment thriving relationship with Jesus Christ, the exalted King in heaven. A moment, and, and it doesn't matter if your husband's a jerk. How many of y'all are glad for that? No, I'm just, if your wife is moody and cranky, it doesn't matter. And not my wife. Don't, please don't insinuate anything here, all right? It doesn't matter what, about anything else. It's only you and your walk with Christ. The good news is you can have a thriving moment-by-moment relationship with a living God. Hey, what kind of news is that, y'all? Good news. That's what it's about, the good news. And he wants us to share good news. How many of y'all are grateful God didn't give us as disciples the job of sharing bad news? How many of y'all think it's bad news? Oh, I don't want to tell my coworkers they're going to hell. <laughs> oh, my. No, they don't have to. The good news is God made a way to come down and take his own wrath. You know, you, who do you need to be saved? When you get saved, who do you need to be saved from? Yeah, okay, yourself, that's one, yeah. You need to be saved, you need new desires. And you don't need to be saved from Satan. It's not like God had to pay ransom to a kidnapper. You know who you need to be saved from? From God. God saved you from God. God said when you sin, there's a penalty for sin. And and the penalty is there's wrath. God's wrath on your sin. One sin. How many of y'all deserve some wrath? One sin. That's your sin nature. But he said, you know what? I am such a loving God. His perfect plan was when you sin, the penalty is wrath. But I am going to come down and I on the cross, I'm going to take all the wrath. God, the father in the book of Isaiah says that he slammed on him all of the wrath. Slammed it all down on Christ. That's at 12 o'clock to three o'clock time in the crucifixion. He slammed all the wrath down on Jesus Christ. All of God's wrath so that Christ took your wrath. If he took all your wrath, then is there any left for you to take? No, unless you choose not to give your life to Christ. 
and accept what he did on the cross. Can you imagine rejecting such a gift? And many, many, yeah, many will because of pride in that. But man, what more could God give? And that's the good news. Because of that, we can have a thriving relationship moment by moment with a living God. Your walk with God is not dependent on anybody but who? Everybody point say me. Your relationship with God is not dependent on anybody but who? Yeah. You can't blame anyone. But dude, you get to enjoy it. And when you're digging your relationship with God, oh my goodness, are the people around you digging it too? Yeah, man, it's awesome. So it's good news. So Matthew, King of the Jews, written by who? Who wrote Matthew? Matthew, who wrote Mark? Um, really Peter, but Mark, yeah, Mark wrote down. Uh, who wrote Luke? And then John later, 30 years later in the 90s, uh, God's like, yeah, John, you've been kind of like my prized disciple, and I haven't let you write anything yet. I don't know if he'd had that conversation, but he hadn't at that point. And he said, you know, in the 90s here, I've been saving it. Everybody for the last couple of generations has really made a mess out of who Jesus is. There's, just, there's all these isms, all these, all these seminary students talking about all these things, you know, in theology, and they've actually believed some of their theories as opposed to the Word of God. And I'm not making fun of you guys. I'm just saying you guys know that happens in seminary, right? And, 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 and it happens in small groups and stuff too. But he said, I want you, John, to tell people who Jesus is again for the first time. And that's the gospel of John. He said, man, this is who Christ is. Go read it. And man, I got goosebumps because you want to know who Jesus is, dude. Go read John. You can read any of them. But John was reintroducing Jesus to a bunch of people that made a mess of who they thought Jesus was. But we're back in the Gospel of Luke, and the theme of Luke is good news, man. How I many y'all are good for glad for good news, right? And and and, and when do you when you're when you think you're full of good news, do you need more good news? Eh, you'll take it, you'll leave it, it's it's okay. When do you really appreciate good news? When you just heard some what? Bad news. Only people who need to be rescued are people that know that they're going down. Limbani, raise your hand, man. Limbani, are you a great swimmer? Are you a great swimmer? No. Are you even an okay swimmer? No. <laughs> I saw you, bro. <laughs> no. Limbani, you can't swim, dude. You sink, man. It's like, we took him paddleboarding the other day. Limbani's from Africa, from uh, Malawi, Africa. And God's got him here for a while to do some, uh, really some cool things. You can talk to him and Trent, talk to them about what God's got him doing and the doors God's going to be opening in his life. But Limbani, he went paddleboarding with us on Tuesday and I'm getting everybody ready. Ah, oh, here we go. And he's like, uh, Limbani, Trent goes, yeah, Limbani really can't swim. <laughs> and we have to start in the inlet, man. And the inlet was sucking out, dude. It was like, you know, you get sucked out to see if you weren't, you know, a good swimmer, if you fell off your board. Fortunately, you stayed on your board, though. But I kept watching you, bro. I kept watching you. And if Lombani went down and I was right there to rest him, would that be good news, Lombani? If you were drowning and you're like, and, 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 and there you are and nobody was around, that would be bad news, right? But if you saw somebody massively paddling towards you to rescue, would that be good news? That's it. So when you're drowning and you see somebody coming to rescue, that's good news. And that's what, it, unfortunately, we didn't have to info. Uh, if we did do that, we should have videoed it and we could have played it today. But I'm glad it didn't happen. But until you realize you're drowning, you don't really care if there's a rescue swimmer. Until you realize 
you know, that you're lost, you don't really care that somebody really knows the real directions. You got to be lost before you can be found, before you can be saved in this. And so the only people that truly see the gospel as good news are those that realize they need to be rescued from their, from, like you said, Karen, themselves, their own sin. But in reality, they had to be rescued from God's wrath. And God made a way. Or people that already have been rescued. How many of y'all been rescued from God's wrath? You know that. that he, Christ took all of your wrath that you deserve, and he took it to the cross. Amen? That's good news, isn't it? So as we look at the Christmas story, more we're following next part of the Christmas story. Don't think I'm like Buddy the Elf here, and it's like, oh, we're gonna... I, I am. I love the Christmas story, but not for the same reason as Buddy Elf. I do like drinking syrup and eating sweets, but, but this is the good news. That's why I like the Christmas story. Good news. Everything bit of this that we're going to see in the Gospel of Luke is good news. We, we ended uh, with Mary and no room at the inn, you know, at Christmas morning when we did this. So now as uh, they've had the baby, now we jump into the shepherds. And there's more good news. So good news a Savior has been born unto you today. What is the good news of Jesus coming into the world? Well, we have this great teacher. We have this great social reformer. He's like an like ancient Gandhi, you know? He's going to walk around as a sage telling us what to do and showing us. Or like Mohammed, oh, we do it this way because that's the way he did it. No! The whole purpose of him coming was to save us. Labani, you're over there and you fall off the paddleboard and you go, you suck in water, coming back up. And then you're, you notice how I do that? I've seen people do it before, right? And, and, they're, and sometimes I just let them do it because I know they're really okay. I real, they realize if they just put their, Julia, I realize if they just put their feet on the ground, they'd be okay, they could stand. <laughs> but let's say you're over your head, Labani man, you know? It's like, again, you're, you're, you're over your head. It's good news when you see someone coming to rescue you, as long as you're going to accept that rescue. What if, what if I paddle over to you while you're drowning, Labani, and I'm like, hey, Labani, swing your arms. Hey, Labani, kick your feet. Okay, Labani, next time you come up, spit all the water out, get a deep breath. Your lungs are going to fill with air because the way God made your lung. What if I gave him a biology lesson about lungs becoming a personal flotation device? Would you like that education at that point in time? No, dude, you don't want education. You want a savior. Amen. That's why Jesus came, according to Galatians, at the perfect time to be our savior. The Old Testament, they've been looking forward to this savior. As New Testament, we look back to believing there's a savior and he lives inside of us. So the good news is, dude, you got all kinds of good news. It's Christmas. There's going to be Black Friday before it. No. Good news. We get to rip open presents. That's all fun, isn't it? Y'all dig rip out, ripping open presents? Do you guys like any of your Christmas presents? Good. That's good. And, and that's okay. But that's not really the good news. The good, it is good news, right? But the good good news the best news is that a savior came to rescue us and, and and so he came to the shepherds and said a savior's been born under you today look at this luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 11 it says in the same region the same region as bethlehem okay what does bethlehem mean y'all house of what house of bread Right, Bethlehem, because he's the bread of life. He was born there. And so, man, in the same region as Bethlehem, in that area between there and Jerusalem, he said there were shepherds. 
and they were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Dude, somebody should write a song about that or do a Charlie Brown show or something. I don't know. But in the same region, there were shepherds. What's significant about the fact that these guys were shepherds, man? You know, why didn't he go to the Pharisees? Why didn't he go to the Sadducees? Why didn't he, why didn't he go to the Herodians? Why didn't he, he go to the Essenes and to the, um, the Zealots and stuff? He came to the shepherds, man. And, and the shepherds were the lowest class of citizen in that area, only by the standards of the people who considered themselves the highest class of citizens. But evidently not by God. They could still be worshiping. They could, they, in fact, they might have had more pure worship where they were at than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those guys. In fact, here was the religious, religious system at the time. Dude, there were these guys who were Sadducees. You ever hear the joke, they were sad, you see? Why were they sad? Because they didn't believe in what? They didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't, even though they said they believed in the first five books of the Bible, they didn't believe in anything supernatural. They believed it was all about here. It was all about now. That's why they were the rich dudes running the church at the time, running the temple. All they believed, hey, if we're rich, God must love us. If you're poor, what? If you're rich, God loves you. If you're poor, oh, God hates you, man. You know, so they thought it all started and ended with this life right here. Those were the guys running the church at the time. Oh, if you're, you were born with one leg, man, God really messed you. I'm just saying Anything that was wrong, they thought they were the epitome of perfection. Man, the shepherds, you know why they couldn't go worship there? Because, dude, first of all, they're, they're dealing with dead animals and sheep. They were ceremonially unclean, and they had to work. They had to work. Man, who's going to take care of the sheep if they don't go? They were always out in the field, and most of these guys from this area were probably preparing sheep to be sacrificed, you know? But anyways, they were... The shepherds were considered unclean. They, they were considered to be low life, but they probably had a pure worship, and maybe that's why God came to them. Sadducees, God wasn't going to waste his time going to Sadducees because they didn't have the right idea who God was. He went to them later, and you saw what they thought about it. No, no, dude, we, you know, we're rich. We're, and I'm not saying if you're rich, that's a bad thing. Uh, you just have an accountability to God of what you're going to do with that, but they thought that was the beginning and the end of a relationship with God. Next guys were the Pharisees. These were like your kind of middle class, upper level businessmen that kind of ran things through money. And their whole purpose was to keep everything Jewish. They loved the word of God. Is there anything wrong with loving the word of God? Hunter, is there anything? No. What if you love the word of God more than you love the God of the word? Ooh, what if the word of God becomes your idol? What if knowing, and again, there's, you think about this, you pray about this, let God make this make sense to you. But that's where the Pharisees were. They loved the word of God more than they loved the God of the word. That's what legalism is. It is not having the word of God interpreted to you, spoken to you through the Holy Spirit of God in context. You, it, 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 in fact, they made it say what they wanted it to say. They had a whole set of rules and it was all about keeping everything Jewish. It sounds admirable. They were religious. Dude, there were all kinds of Pharisees. You know what was my favorite kind? The bleeding head Pharisees. Gary, would you want to be a bleeding head Pharisee? You know what these dudes, these dudes did, man? The bleeding head Pharisees. They did not want to lust after anyone. Could you imagine them living at the beach? I'm just saying that they did not want to lust after any kind of woman. So they always looked down. They always looked down wherever they went. If you're looking down, what can't you see? Oh, can't see what's in front of you. 
They were called the bleeding head Pharisees. Literally, it's a set because they always had a bleeding head because they were running into stuff. So instead of people saying that's stupid, they were like, oh, look how pious the bleeding head Pharisees are. And the bigger the scar on their head, the more they were like, yo, look at me. <laughs> it's like, could you imagine people being so foolish? Yes, you live in 2023 now. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> yes. It's the same thing when the word of God or anything becomes more important to you than the God of the word. We need the word of God to tell us who the God of the word is. But it's through the word of God that we fall in love with the God of the word. Amen. The, the, that's what the whole word of God is for, to show us how big and how awesome a God is. If you're God, hey, would it be okay, Jules, if one day when your dad thought it was okay, when you're about 60, that you married a guy? Now, <laughs> no, no. How old do you think you're going to have to be when, you, you know, your dad's going to let you get married? I don't know, maybe like 45 or something. <laughs> but anyways, it, <laughs> so would it be okay if one day you married a guy simply because of his money? No? Would you be okay if she married you? You're a rich dude, and all of a sudden she married you because you were rich. Would that be okay with you, that somebody just married you for your money? No. How many of y'all think that would be okay? And we're going to talk later if you raise your hand. <laughs> but you know that's not right. But isn't that what modern-day theology is? I love God because of what he can do for me. I love God because he can solve this problem. He can fix my marriage. He, is that a bad thing? No, that's not a bad thing. It's the wrong approach. I love this God because he can do this, because he can do this, and it's all for me, and it's about fixing me. You know what the word of God is about? Falling in love with the God, the word of God is about falling in love with the God of the word. You fall in love with a big, huge, awesome, almighty God, and then do you even care what happens on this planet? When you have an awesome, mighty God, Matthew, and all of a sudden some challenge comes in, are you like, oh God, are you big enough to fix this? Or God? No, you're like, what do, you want to, what do you want to show me through this, God? Bring it on. Dude, the crazier it is, the more God does, the more he gets the glory. It isn't about your comfort. It's about your character. People following God because of what he can do for you. You checked out. It's like marrying somebody for their money. And you already already said that's wrong. But man, when you fall in love with some dude, <laughs> you know what? You fall in love with somebody, and it's like you just do life with them. You together take on whatever, whatever happens in life. That's what love is, right? When you fall in love with God Almighty, and your theology is God-based, and you learn how big God is, Mac, do you even care? No, another challenge. It ain't a challenge to God. And now you know how big God is. You know what? I'm on God's back. Piggyback ride. Y'all like taking piggyback rides on God? Yeah. How's your back, Chris? <laughs> All right. You can just imagine me jumping on Chris's back, bro. I should do Pittsburgh Rob, but he's getting old now. But anyways, but, but, but man, on God, that's it. You realize how big and almighty and phenomenal God almighty is. That's what we learn through the word of God. Not try to find, oh, here, here's a promise you can hang on to and he can do this. He can do. No, you figure out how big God is and whatever comes your way, dude, you jump on God's back and watch God do it. Amen? That's where we got to go. A God-centered theology, not a man-centered. 
And if you've got a God-centered theology, God's going to work these things out. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to work them out in ways so supernatural that only he can get blamed. Amen? Ways you can't even think about. You couldn't even imagine. So in the same region, there were shepherds, these low-life guys. Because, man, the religious people of the day, you know what? They had it wrong. And, and John the Baptist was brought into the world to say, you guys got it wrong. There's a guy who, shoot, I'm not worthy to tie, that's going to come and tell you the right way. Repent. Repent and admit you're wrong and let him tell you the right way. And so they weren't into that. The shepherds, they were looking for a Messiah, man. These guys, a lot of Israel was looking. Later on in this chapter, you'll see a lot of Israel was looking for a Messiah because they weren't finding satisfaction in the religious culture of the day. They certainly weren't finding it in the oppressive Roman uh, empire in that culture. They, they, there was in hyperinflation. There, the taxes were high. The, you know, there was violence everywhere. I mean, it was just a messed up place. That's the only place like you guys know of. They weren't finding their satisfaction in this world. And they weren't finding it in the religious system. They found it in a relationship with God Almighty, which is where we got to find it. So in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. So what do you think, if you were watching your flock by night, how exciting would that be, like on normal? What do you think? Yeah, kind of boring. I mean, they didn't have Nintendo or Switch or well, I don't know what all games you guys. Atari, they didn't have Atari. You don't even know what Atari is, do you? No, I'm just like, they didn't have Pong. <laughs> you know, y'all remember Pong? Boop, boop, boop. That was the first video game, and I bet y'all can't play it. It's so simple. But literally, they didn't have nothing. They had themselves. They had the stars. Man, what a great time to worship God. You know, and I'm not saying all of them did it. That's not it. But I'll bet you these guys, when we get to talk to them, when we get to heaven, I bet we're going to find out they were God worshipers. That's why God came to them in that. So, man, think about it. It's nice and calm. In fact, it'd probably be hard to stay awake, right? <laughs> it'd be hard to stay awake because you're out there and you're relaxed. But if you don't stay awake, what's going to happen to your sheep, y'all? Dude, lions and tigers and bears, oh my! You'll probably even watch The Wizard of Oz, have you? Oh, good, you know that lion. Lions and tigers and bears. Man, if they weren't watching them, man, and taking care of the sheep, sheep are in big trouble. So they're trying to stay awake. They're trying to whatever. They're all nice and calm. And all of, they were watching their flock by night. So it's calm and it's peaceful. Remember that song, Silent Night? Kind of like that. You know, everything's cool. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. <laughs> right? <laughs> Any of y'all go need to go fix something now? <laughs> no, I'm just like, <coughs> literally, can you imagine? Silent night, dude. There you are, silent night. And, 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 and all of a sudden, man, Ted Nugent jumps on the scene. I'm just saying, it's like, angel of the Lord appeared to them. Boom! Hey, had they ever seen an angel before? Oh, don't worry, that's just an angel. No. In fact, when's the last time anyone had really seen an angel? Well, almost 400 years because prior to him, angel Gabriel had come to Mary. And prior to Mary, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah. We don't know if this is the angel Gabriel or not. We know it's an angel. But prior to that, nobody saw God. For 400 years, he was silent. No new revelation. No, no new prophets. No, no supernatural visions. Nothing like that. And so, man, what did Zechariah do, y'all? What did Zechariah do when he saw an angel? 
What do you say on the count of three? One, two, three. Ah, yes, thank you, guys. And you fall down, and then the angel says what? Come on, you already know this line, right? What's the angel say? Oh, don't fear. <laughs> and meanwhile, the angel's laughing. Oh, did you see that? <laughs> and then the angel comes to Mary, and she's kind of, what does everybody always say? Ah! And he said, oh, hey, you know, hey, I have good news for you. And, and, and that made her feel a little better, but I still think she's pretty freaked out on this. So all of a sudden, when it's dead quiet, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. What do you think happened to the shepherds? What do you think happened to the sheep? Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the glory of the Lord shone round about. It's pitch black, maybe stars. Wasn't lit up like one of our cities, man. And all of a sudden, God's Q-beam, man. God's halogen lights just bam, the glory of the Lord. And an angel came. Man, it was a traumatic experience. Bam, something. And they had no clue what was going on. I mean, you wouldn't have had a clue. You'd be like, first thing you're doing is if, if, if you're a concealed carry dude in your house, that, that all happens in your house, what are you doing? <laughs> dude, I'm trying to find, all right, I got a burglar at least, you know. <laughs> oh, there, that's an AR, sorry, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> now I let my secret out. But anyways, all right, angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Dude, that's freak out time. And they were filled, filled all right, y'all take a guess. They were filled with great what? joy joy to the world the lord has come no what they're filled with what fear this was a freak out situation all right look at the next verse verse 10 and the angel said what all right help me out y'all help me out what even though y'all are adults help me out what did the angel say (laughs) i know it's a joke that the angels look forward to playing on human beings Oh, I get to go down and talk to him this time. Oh, yeah. And they're all watching. Now they go, ah, and they you know, freak out and fall over. Oh, hey, don't be afraid. Why don't they say that as a warning? Hey, we're an angel getting ready to come. Y'all get ready. Put on your fear lenses and all that, you know. No, dude, I think the angels have fun with this, all right? And anyways, angel said to him, fear not. And look what he says. For behold, I bring you what, y'all? What does he bring? good news when you fear is when the angel says fear not or you better watch out i'm bringing you some bad news bro (laughs) i'm bringing you bad news no he's bringing good news and what is the good news that god has brought us who a savior because man needs to be saved from the wrath of god so god came in the flesh to take on god the father's wrath in our place Is that good news, April? Yes, because, man, could Gavin even handle taking the wrath for you? No, I don't even know how Jesus took the wrath of every human being from the past, present, and even our future sins. He took all of that wrath from God Almighty. He's the only one who could have done it. And he did it for us. Angel said, I'm fear not, man. I bring you good news. And, And with the good news brings you what? Look at the next part. Great joy. They're still probably trying to recover when, hey, how many of y'all have a hard time waking up in the morning? Your mom's like, get up, Hunter, get up. I mean, do you like bounce up? I'm like, yeah, here I am, ready to go. Is that him? No. It's like, <laughs> right? They're like trying to figure out what's even going on. He says, I got good news and great joy will be for who? All the people. It's going to be great joy for all the people. Now, we do know all this great joy is available to all the people, but the only ones 
who will ever experience that great joy are the ones that believe that and accept that. There's going to be people running from this great news and this great joy. Can you imagine people doing that? Hey, Sam, what's the P word that begins with P and ends with ride that causes us not to enjoy? Pride! Yeah. That's it, man. Can you believe someone would be so prideful to say, nope, I got this, God. And then you go look at the end of Revelation. I think it's chapter 29, somewhere. The great white throne judgment, you can find it. You find it. And there's going to be books opened. And the books are going to show everything that we did. And then there's going to be another book that was opened, book singular, which is the book of life. And you know what he says in that great white throne judgment? Everyone who was not found in the book of life gets sent to hell. The books represent everything we've done in life. And if you want to be judged by your works, you've already been judged unworthy. That's the gospel. The good good news is the gospel that you don't have to be judged by your works. You can be judged by Christ's works, right? Have you ever blown perfection, y'all? You ever blown perfection? Even you, Jules, have you ever done it? All right. I mean, you're the baby, right? You kind of special treatment, no? No, that doesn't work in your family? All right. Your mom's actually tougher on you probably, huh? (laughs) Would you... Would you want to be judged by your own works or somebody who's perfect, like your sister Selma? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> in, her, in Selma's own eyes, right? No, I'm just messing with her. Where is Selma? Oh, there she is. Yeah, there she is. All right. And I'm just messing with you. That's your reputation. You, you are, you know. Anyways, never mind. I'm going to get off that. But would you rather be judged by somebody who's, uh, say, hey, this perfect person, I'm going to be judged by what they've done, or you want to be judged by your own works? That's a no-brainer, y'all. It really is. If God gives you the desire to be judged by what Christ did on the cross, be judged by that. Your works. Isaiah, dude, Isaiah says, if you took just your perfect, your good works and presented them to God, they're like, what? Filthy rags. And he's talking basically about menstrual rags. Your best works presented to God for salvation are like used menstrual rags. You want to get in on your own son, your own good works, man? Go read that. That's Old Testament Isaiah. That's why Christ came. That's why we needed a Savior. So the angel said to him, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news, great joy for all the people. It's available to you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, this little podunk town called Bethlehem. What's what's born? Yeah. Not a, a... you know, a guru, not some, you know, social justice warrior, not some great teacher, the savior. And it took, there was only one person who could be a savior. And that was somebody who was a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God that never sinned and died a, a, a life of an unrighteous person as a perfect person so that he could be your substitute. Under you born this day, in the city of David is a savior who is Christ. That's Messiah. That's the anointed one. That's the one they've been looking for since Adam and Eve. Y'all remember Adam and Eve, right? You remember when they sinned, right? And they got kicked out of the garden. They ate off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They got kicked out of the garden. God put cherubims there so they wouldn't eat off the tree of eternal life. And, and he said, go be fruitful, multiply. They went and had a kid. Who was the first kid they had? They were told that her seed was going to get them back in the garden one day. He was going to crush Satan's head and have his heel bruised. 
They didn't know how long that was going to take. <laughs> they thought it was going to be immediate, and they had a first son. Who was their first son, y'all? Cain, right? And you know what Cain means? I have acquired. Woohoo! I got acquired. This is it. This is the one that's going to crush the serpent's head. This is the one that's getting us in the garden. And, and a few weeks later, after she had it, boom, boom, pushed out. Ah, oh, went through a lot of trouble to have this baby. Bam! I got this baby. Now it's going to get us back in the garden. A couple weeks later, Tom, to get back in the garden? No. Well, that's kind of a bummer. I went through all that trouble and didn't get back in the garden. That was what they were thinking. Messiah was coming right away. She had another baby, went through all the trouble. And what did she name that second baby, y'all? Abel. And in the Hebrew, originally, what that name meant, now if your name's Abel, it means something different now. But I'm just saying back then, when in the Hebrew, you know what Abel meant? Worthless. The first baby was, man, I got, I've acquired from God. He's going to get us back in the garden. It didn't get him back in the garden. The second baby, Abel, was like, what the heck did I go through all this trouble for? That's how good the garden was. And they know, knew what they had blown. They, from that point on, everywhere you cut the Bible, it bleeds, man. It talks about a Savior. It talks about a Messiah coming. Everybody's been looking for that Messiah. And here it is. Good news. Man, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one we've been talking about all along. Christ the Lord, he's here. That's the good news. Don't ever mess that up and miss the point for which Christ came. So now they say, good news, here's how you can find him. When did, uh, what do you think? Mike, good news. Hey, here's where the best hunting spot is in all of the entire world. Would you be happy for that best hunting spot in all the world? Any game you want, man, any weapon, you just pick your crossbow, your whatever, and here's the, the and by the way, you eat everything you kill and all that. That's, it's all you know, ethical and all that. But yeah, the best hunting spot. What would you need to know in order to be, take advantage of that? Yeah, where is it? <laughs> hey, I got the best hunting spot for you, but I'm not telling you where it is. Hey, I got the best fishing spot, Gary. Guaranteed snook, man, when it's season. <laughs> Dude, you, ever, you see if you paddleboard and the snook are everywhere now. You know why? They know, they know you can't take them home, right? They're there. As soon as season opens up, buddy, they're hiding again. They know. But what do you got to know, man? The best hunting spot, the best fishing spot. What do you got to know? You got to know where it's at. It wouldn't be, what a great thing to know it's there, but you got to know where it's at. So, man, the good news now is here's how you can find them if you want to. Notice the angel in this never says, you have to go and see this baby in the, in the, in the manger. He never says that. He just tells them about this, and they have a desire to actually go find him on their own. I think God gives you a desire and ability to go seek him but you got to go do it. That's that controversy, Calvinism, Arminianism, the timing, the free will of man, the sovereignty of God. Bottom line, none of us can explain it fully. <laughs> and if you do, you have to leave something out. And I'm not getting into that today. Bottom line is God gives you desires and you got a responsibility to do something with it. And so look at this. He says, here's how you can find him. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's kind of cute, right? They wrapped them in strips of clothes to keep their arms straight and keep their limbs, make them kind of, I've heard things where they push against it and develop muscles and there's all kinds of physical reasons for that. But the real sign you're going to see is that he was lying in a, what, where was he lying? Yeah, Bethlehem's kind of little and, and there, there hadn't, couldn't be a ton of babies born in Bethlehem at that point. 
but they, they're, they're going to know this is going to be the only baby hanging out in a feeding trough. That's what the manger was. The only baby hanging out in the dog bowl, in the cow pen, in the feeding trough. Again, we talked about it on Christmas. Man, the inn was not like Holiday Inn or over here, Courtyard Marriott. Oh, there's no room. Sure, this is Jesus, man. No room. No, no. Then the, the wicked innkeeper, there's no room for you. Y'all see that in the plays, right? That was not it. Everybody was going where they had to go to, to, to be registered because the government said so. That's how God got Mary and Joseph down or up, down in the middle of the country to, to Bethlehem to have the baby according to prophecy. When they got there, the inn was more like a county park, like J.C. Park down here. And, and again, dude, if they could even find a pavilion with a picnic table, that's Mary delivering on that picnic table, y'all. It's a semi-public place is where she was, man, when there was no room. So there they are. This will be a sign for you. Hey, you're going to, if you, if I said, Hey, here's a sign, JT, go next. You live right next door to there, right? And go to, go to JC park and go check out all the pavilions. And there's going to be a baby in a barbecue pit, <laughs> not, not lit, not lit, but one of you know, in barbecue pits, you'd be like, what? How many of y'all think if there was going to be some straw, some blankets, you all know the barbecue pits at the, uh, the county parks, right? I mean, baby could lay in that, right? Couldn't they, Steve? You put some blankets in there. If I were to say, go to J.C. Park and look next to one of the tables and in the, under the pavilions and find a baby in a barbecue pit, how many of y'all could find them? That's basically what we're looking at here. That's going to be your sign. What a humble beginning. How important was a crib, a cradle, and all of the designer decorations for the nursery? How important was that to God? How important is that to him right now? Now, I'm not saying if you do that, you're wrong or anything. But that ain't the priority. Priority is you understanding the Savior and having a thriving, everyday relationship with God. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Amen? This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby in a barbecue pit at J.C. Park. <laughs> he's going to be wrapped in a blanket like all babies, but he's going to be laying in that barbecue pit, all right? That's good news. You can find them. It'd be bad news if you knew something really good was somewhere, but you couldn't find it, right? So the good news, again, he's definitely worth finding. <laughs> well, I don't want to go find that. Yeah, you know what? That's not that important. But all of a sudden, hey, guess what happens next? How many angels we got so far, y'all? How many angels so far? One. Yeah, we got one. We don't know if it's Gabriel or not, but now look what happens. And suddenly there was with the angel a what? A more. How many's a multitude? Dude, a lot. We don't even know how much. All of a sudden, I mean, one angel freaked him out, right? Now, all of a sudden, boom, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and, 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 and saying. So contrary to the hallelujah chorus with Handel's Messiah, they do not sing this according to Scripture. They say it. <laughs> all right. Not that that's crucial or important, but, you know, it is nice that he gave us that. But a heavenly host, a multitude of angels show up to show Jesus' worth. Hey, let me ask you a question. How long have the angels been around, y'all? Hey, Jeff, how long have the angels been around? Have they been long, around longer than man? Yeah, because one angel deceived the very first man and woman, right? That was Lucifer who dropped down. Angels been around longer than man. And so, you know what? They were pretty excited probably. They saw front row seats in heaven. Man in the garden. What was their relationship? Rhonda, what was their relationship? I saw you were yawning, so I was going to grab you. That's like when I see people with a full mouthful of donut, man. But Rhonda, 
When the angels saw that God made man in his own image to be God's icon and they're living in a garden, man, that's perfect. And God and them are having, uh, what is God's purpose in this? Why why, why did God, what do you think the angel, when they saw God having fellowship with man, man created in his own image, how do you think the angels responded to that? Dude, they were pretty stoked. God has a man. God has mankind. This is awesome. It's different than us. They were worshiping because God made man so that man could glorify God the same way the angels did, but only glorify him by choosing what God wanted them to choose. They were pretty stoked when man came on the scene. They were like, whoa, look at this. This is awesome. In fact, right now, when one sinner comes to God, what do the angels do, Chuck? They're worshiping because they saw at the garden the perfection that God had in store for man was blown by man's bad decision. It was blown. Angels like, oh, no, you did not. You don't understand how good God is. Why would you go eat a stinking piece of fruit? Why would you even want to know the difference between good and evil? Before, all you already knew good. So when you eat this fruit, not only are you sinning, but what's the only thing you add to yourself? What's the only thing they added? The knowledge of what? Evil. Boy, that's a good thing. And now we see evil more than we even see good. The angels are like, you idiots. No, don't eat. Don't eat. They were cheering in in the course. They were like, no, no. Just trust God's word. Don't follow the serpent. We've seen him. He's a mess. He's a deceiver. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't follow him. Oh, you did it. Imagine the angels, how discouraged, how, how, oh man, you blew it. Have you ever seen somebody blow it? Have you ever seen somebody blow it? And you're just like, oh no, don't, don't. Oh, they did. If not, go on Facebook and look up uh, credit card captains or the Miami boat ramp. And then you'll watch people parking, uh, docking boats. You're like, no, don't do that. They do it. <laughs> But that's what the angels, you ever thought about that? Why the angels rejoice so much at Jesus' birth? Man, why are they so happy? Because now they know the relationship that was in the garden has a chance to be restored. And one day it'll be eternally restored. So suddenly with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hope. And when's the last time they had seen him for all practical purposes? 400 years ago. That's a long time, right? Yeah, you've been alive. How long have you been alive? Yeah, not even close, man. Anybody here close to 400 years besides Gary? I'm just joking. All right. All right, Chuck. All right. Suddenly there was with a multitude, heavenly host, praising God. They're praising God. And look what they're praising him, saying, glory to God. So what is the purpose of angels to do what? To glorify God. What's the purpose of man? To glorify God. You, oh, I just want to know my purpose in life. Well, it's to glorify God. No, no, I want to know what my real purpose is so I can have a bank account and I can have all the assets I want and have. No, your job's to glorify God. And if those things come with it, make sure you use them to glorify God with them. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. Man, God, woohoo! You have come up with a plan of all plans this time. And you are, oh, who would have thought of this plan that you come down, take your own wrath, and offer that payment to your 
kids or to these people that you created who violated you and, and give them eternal life. You paid for it. Oh, you saved them from your own wrath. Oh my goodness, what an awesome thing. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, now on earth, what does he say you can have? Now, he's not talking about world peace. He's not talking about, oh, we're going to all live in harmony now because we're all going to give up all our differences and we're all going to mesh everything together that we're all for. You know what? You can't do that because everybody's for themselves. <laughs> this peace isn't worldwide peace. It's available to the world, but it's available to only those who accept what Christ came to do as a baby and then later as a man on the cross. And who is the peace between? Is it peace between men? What's the most important peace you need? Trent, what's the most important peace you need? Is it between you and your wife? That's important, isn't it, Michelle? <laughs> Very important, all right? Or is it, or even more than peace between you and your wife, do you need peace between you and God? Yeah, that's the first peace we've got to take care of. In fact, you're never going to have peace between people until you have the Prince of Peace. I don't care how many Israeli accords and peace treaties they make. It's not until the Prince of Peace comes. Same thing in your life. You don't have peace until the Prince of Peace comes. And that peace may not be in the form of your circumstances. It may be, may be nothing more than eternal, where you walk in the Spirit and you're filled with love and peace and joy and patience and goodness and gentleness and meekness, regardless of what's going on in your life. So glory to God. There's going to be peace between God and between God and men. That's important. You ever have a rough time? Any of y'all ever have a rough time with your parents where there's not peace between you and your parents? Obviously, it's your fault because you sinned, right? Any of y'all ever gotten such big trouble where it's just not good between you and your parents? Any of y'all done that yet? Y'all old enough for that? How many of y'all remember those days? Did you ever get in trouble, right? Where there was no peace between you and your parents? Dude, that's not a good thing. But man, what joy there is when that peace comes back. And obviously, between you and your parents, probably both y'all are wrong at some point, but you still honor and obey them. With God, he's never wrong. We are. Man, so they said, peace among those whom he is pleased, who God pleases to give this peace. The only way you get this peace is by being born again. And that's what the Greek construct of this is. So the angels are pretty stoked about the fact Christ came. And they're trying to get you guys excited about it. Anybody excited about it? Say, woohoo! Good. Let me see your happy peace stand. No. <laughs> you can get up and do it if, you're re if your rear end's falling asleep. We're almost done. All right. You can get up and give me your happy peace stance if you want. Otherwise, sit there. We'll be done in a few minutes. But man, so good news. They found him. <laughs> good news. First, there's a savior. Good news. Here's how you find him. Good news. They did find him. Man, you think about it. JJ was talking about the book of Numbers. I think that were Balaam and Balak and all that was. Balaam, he was not really a righteous dude. God chose to speak through him as some kind of a God broker. He had a real encounter with God Almighty. But what happened to him in the end? He never would give up his lust for a big house full of riches and gold. And even though God told him to leave Israel alone, he kept going, kept going, until he actually then told the Moabites, hey, I got a way you can make God take your hand off the Moabites. 
have big parties with all your sexy women and have them come over and intermingle and do all the things and worship your gods. And if you get them to do that, God will take his hand off them. And you know what? This guy who had a real encounter with a real living God, the Bible tells us that he split hell wide open. What a shame. What a shame to meet God and not have anything happen. Have God say, come, and, and you don't bother coming because you've got more important things to do. I was Balaam. But the good news, these guys found them. Look at this. When the angels went away, okay, so here it is. Angels went away. You ever go to church and you got great ideas? Yes, I'm going to start doing this. This is what I'm going to do. Bible study, ooh, I'm going to start doing this. Now you lead Bible study, what happens? Oh, this happens, this happens, this happens. All of a sudden, oh, yeah, what was I going to do? Sam's that ever happened to you? You ever just get too busy to do what God really just gave you just clear direction to do? It's only you, none of us. I'm just saying. We'll pray for Sam. I'm not messing with you. You know it's all of us. But when they went away, they had a choice to make. The incitement, the enthusiasm, it's all done. When the angels went away from them into heaven. Okay, cool. Wow, that was awesome. Hey, let's blog about that. <laughs> let's put it on Facebook, and then we'll go on to the next adventure, right? No. When the angels went away from heaven into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what'd they say, man? Yeah, let us go to Bethlehem. And, and, and again, it wasn't very far, but let us go. Was this like calling in sick? Could they just like call in sick and say, hey, you know what? Uh, no, dude, they, they had this business. They had responsibilities. They had to find someone to take care of the sheep. They couldn't just ditch the sheep. They put their life into taking care of these sheep, their reputation, their everything. If somebody else owned them, their occupation, there was a lot of reasons not to go to Bethlehem. You ever found a reason not to do what God told you to do? How hard is it to find a reason to not do what God told you to do? How hard is that? Oh, how many of y'all are good at finding reasons to not do it? Mary, thank you for that honesty. The rest of these folks are liars, dude. They, they know God wants them to raise their hand like, I ain't raising my hand. It's easy to find a reason not to do what God wants you to do. But these guys found a reason to do it. And look at the reason. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which, help me out, y'all. The Lord made known to us. Dude, God Almighty, the one that keeps all the tiniest atoms together and the most giant planets from crashing, he told them and showed them this. What a responsibility to put it into action. But how often do we have something from the Lord and yet something's more important? Dude, you get something from God Almighty, go for it. It's the most important thing. But I want you to be aware of the fact they made a decision. They could have so easily found something else to do. But they said, dude, let's go. That was pretty exciting. Let's go. Let's make this happen. So whatever arrangements they needed to make, whatever, they said, we're going to go see the thing which the Lord has made known to us. Showed us the directions. Man, let's go do it. Don't miss that decision. They went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lion. Where? No, in a barbecue grill. <laughs> at J.C. Park at a picnic table under a pavilion. It wasn't hard to find. You know what? God's not hard to find. His word is not hard to understand. Until our will gets in the way. His word is not hard to understand until our will gets in the way and wants to make it a gray issue. You seek him, you can find him. Man, you want him, he's there. 
well, it's not fair that these people aren't going to heaven, you know, and you are involved. Dude, do they want to go to heaven? Well, do they want him now? Do you understand what heaven is? Is that we're going to all be together with God? If you don't want that now, what makes you think you want it for eternity? What, what makes you think that's not hell, on, hell for them? The fact is, if you want him, can you have him? Absolutely. He's there. You don't want him now. Well, I understand. Well, don't you have like an in-between? I don't really want to be with you all the time in heaven, God, worshiping, playing a harp and all that, you know. But something in between, right? Just keep living my life right now for eternity. God's like, no, there's there's a choice. It's me or this. You don't want him. You don't want him. And you certainly don't want him forever. So what we need to do is we need to pray for people who don't want him especially if you understand what the alternative is. And I'm not talking about barring people in the head. There comes a time where we have to talk to God more about people than people about God. We do both. But there comes a time where we're asking God to change somebody's heart where they want nothing more than him. How many of y'all had that change happen in your life? Yeah, there was a time in my life that you told me I'd be up here speaking for eight hours. <laughs> what was that? I was representing him seven days a week. I would have told you that would have been hell on earth. But he changed my life. I want to do nothing more than that. And if you want me to preach shorter, you pray for that. I'm just saying. But, but literally, man, it's like he changes us. And now we have righteous desires. So they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and they found the baby lying to man. It ain't hard to find God. So, uh, old, old country preacher told me one time, yep, people... Look for God the way a bank robber looks for a policeman. <laughs> Think about that. I don't want to go to God. I already know what he's going to say. I'm going to go make me a new God, that I can go to that God and kind of get a little balance of, you know, you can't make your own God. God made you. And the word of God tells us who the God of the word is. So, man, they found him. The good news, this is the end of it. When you truly find him in any situation. That's what we did for a long time at the beginning of the service. Hey, what's God done in your life? What are you hoping he'll do in your life? What do you need him to do in your life in the form of prayers and stuff? What, what is it God's doing? Man, it, it's, it's people who are looking for him. And then when you find him, dude, did, when, when people were talking about things God did, they were excited, right? So when you truly find him in any situation, especially at of salvation he is so good how many of y'all know he's so good karen there are times where you just feel like man you feel like 40 pounds of manure in a 10 pound bag i'm just saying you ever feel that way anybody else feel that way you're like well now that you bring it up <laughs> it's like dude and then you can go pray with god and you can leave that bag and that manure there and walk away a new person you ever done that that's what it says in Peter when he says, cast your cares, deposit your cares, leave them with me and walk away with a person with no burden because your eternity's taken care of. I got it here, bro. Here, you're going through this because I want to make you more like me and I want to be glorified when that happens. It's all for his glory. So when you truly find him in any situation, he's so good. Anybody know that he's so good? When you, have you found him? And Anybody ever taste that so goodness? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Don't raise it just to raise it. But if you found, you've really tasted that so goodness, Sam, really, you're not just raising your hand because I, I guilted you into it. No, because you've told me about that so goodness. You and Rhonda, there's so many of you have told me about that so goodness that, 
dude, this is Chuck. You ever taste that so goodness of God? Yeah, dude. Look at that. Look at his face right there. Y'all just look at that face, man. That is a so goodness face. I've seen his face without so goodness. And that's a so goodness face, man. I am so glad God is so good. When you truly find him in any situation, he is so good. You can't be quiet out of awe, out of being blown away by what he's done. You have to tell everyone. How many of y'all ever had a point where you just couldn't keep your mouth shut? You knew people didn't want to hear about what God did, but you couldn't shut up anyways. You been there? Yeah. You can be there every day if you want. I'm there right now. No, I'm just <laughs> Look at this. <coughs> All who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. Hey, let me ask you a question. Where did they go? They came to the public park, J.C. Park. There's a picnic table. There's a barbecue grill. There's a baby in there wrapped in blankets. Who was there? Who was there that they, it says they told all who heard it, what wondered what the shepherds told them. So at that point, when they got there to the pavilion at JC Park, who was there? Mary and Joseph. Yeah. The wise men get them out of your manger scene. All right. They don't show up for two more years. All right. So you can bring them two weeks later or whatever, but Mary and Joseph, they're telling Mary and Joseph, dude, Look at this. This is what went on. This went on. This is what happened. The angel. Oh, angel talked to me. Oh, yep. Angel talked to me in a dream too. Oh my goodness. Look at all of this. All who heard it wondered because it was awesome at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds did keep talking. But at some point, you got to not just wonder and walk off. Some part, you have to surrender and make it part of your will. There's a lot of people that hear and see awesome things God's done and they just wonder. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things. She pondered them in your heart. She had a different response than other people. And that's the point. You simply tell people what God has done. That's what we're here for. We see life from God's perspective so that we can do what? Help each other see life from God's perspective. And, and however they respond, that's on them. That's up to them. You're not responsible. And everybody maybe needs to respond in different ways. Your responsibility is to share. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Oh, well, that was awesome. Now what's the next adventure? Is that what they did? No, read, read me what they did. The shepherds returned doing what? glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen as it had been told to them. So the good news, the Savior's been born unto you. Good news, here's how you can find them if you want to. This shirt, these colors, the gold reminds me that my home is heaven. That is my home. But the black reminds me it wasn't always that way. I had sin in my life. I couldn't cover, I couldn't take away but the red reminds me of when God gave me the desire and ability to believe that what Christ did on the cross paid for my sins. And I applied it. Now my home's heaven. Amen? Amen? The green reminds me, the green reminds me of why I'm still here. That as I go through the same things everyone else goes through in this world, I see it from God's perspective. And I watch him work out things in so supernatural ways that I couldn't even imagine. Eric? That's what you tell me about, right? He'll work things out in such supernatural ways if you follow him that you can't even imagine what he's going to do. And as he does that, you're going to grow in love with him. And as you grow in love with God, he then causes us to grow in love with who? Everyone else.
So you want to know how to find them? Figure out whether your home's heaven or not. And if your home's heaven, it's only because you've had Jesus Christ. You believe what he did on the cross pays for your sins. There's no other way in or out. That's it. And you don't have to fix yourself before you come to him. You can't. You've already tried. You come to him. He gives you new desires. He changes you and he fixes you. Now your home's heaven. And if that's where you're at, dude, realize every single thing that comes in your life is by his design to make you more like him so that he gets the glory. Amen? So here's how you, that's how you can find him if you want to. He's definitely worth finding. They found him. Have you? And again, when you do find him in any situation, he's so awesome, you can't be quiet about it. You have to tell everyone. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I don't know where everyone's at in all of this, um, but Father, I pray that we would recognize and realize that the most important thing that we need in this world is to know that Jesus is our Savior. <clears throat> There's even people that have tried to make Him Lord without allowing Him to be Savior first. And Father, um, I just pray that we would acknowledge that we need salvation and that we can't do anything about that salvation. But if you are giving us the desire and ability to surrender all we know about ourselves, all we know about Him, that that desire is from you. Father, you told Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3 that that desire is like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And you got to act on it because there's no guarantee it's going to be there the next minute. So I pray right now, Father, there's somebody here that is not positive their home is heaven. Or they're thinking it's for the wrong reason. Father, they're not truly trusting what Christ did, but today your Holy Spirit spoke to them. Father, today I pray that they would surrender all they know about themselves, all they know about you. They just say, I want you to take over my life. I need to be saved from your wrath. And I'm grateful that you made that possible. Save me. I pray someone would do that today, Father. Father, I pray we would, even as saved people, throw away all the excuses we have of why we can't do what you want us to do. And we would be like Jesus told us in Matthew that we would seek first, seek only, seek always the kingdom of God and his righteousness and count on the fact that if we did that, no matter what, everything else we need will be added to us. Help us not try to solve all these problems, but solve the one problem of just following you. Let us just follow you and let you work all of this out. And then you get the glory and we become more like you. So Father, I pray that as you do supernatural things in our life, that you would bring so much excitement in our lives that we would have to tell others. Because honestly, that's probably why you didn't take us to heaven when you saved us. You want us to show people what it's like to have an awesome, magnificent, almighty God living inside of us. Help us do that, Father. And never forget how much you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die on a cross for us and make it possible to have that relationship. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Yee!